Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, I have a very special family member who Well, I always refer to her as my cousin, which I guess is maybe that word that you use when you're not entirely sure what the proper term is for how you're related to somebody. (laughs) So we're going to see if we can figure that out. Um, But I have Joyce with me tonight. And thank you so much for being here, Joyce. I am so excited for you to share your story. And not only do we get to hear her story, but we also get to hear some music from Joyce. So I know, ladies, you're going to be blessed. Um, But before we start her story before we do any music. Joyce, would you just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your life today? Yes, Jessica, thank you so much. It's just such an honor to be to be on the Story Night uh, podcast. And I'm definitely not worthy, but I'm just thankful for the opportunity. I live in Oliver Springs, Tennessee, which is a small town in East Tennessee. And I'm married to uh, a wonderful man named Mike, and I have four sons that are grown and married, and we have quite a few grandchildren coming along, and I have a wonderful church here, and I'm just, I just enjoy my life. God has just been so good, good to us, and I'm just very thankful. You know, ladies, I hope right now you're already just enjoying listening to Joyce's voice because maybe maybe it's just because my family's from Tennessee. As soon as I hear a Southern accent, I am just all smiles and feeling just, I don't know, it's, it's like comfort food to me. And I could just listen to her talk all day. So I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. And if my Southern accent kicks into gear, you'll, you'll know why. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things we talk about with the Story Night podcast is that that face value sometimes where our life is today when we describe our current situation and it sounds good and it's wonderful and it sort of maybe seems like there's nothing wrong. It's easy to get the misconception that, oh, here's this person with this quote unquote perfect or perfect-ish life. But we all have a story and we all have parts of our lives that would probably surprise the people that know us today. And they would have maybe never guessed that that was part of our past or that we had to take that particular journey to get to where we are today. So before we rewind the tape and really talk about your early years, let's see if we can figure out exactly this family connection between the two of us, because it's it's a pretty special story. Okay. Well, the way I got it from my dad, evidently your maternal grandfather and my dad were first cousins. My dad was actually raised with your grandfather, and I think he had five siblings. He was raised with them because my grandmother passed away when my daddy was just an infant. And so he went to live with that family. And uh, even though my dad passed away in 1998, I still remember him talking about the Oliver family with the highest of respect. And I know he loved the Oliver family dearly. And he he referred to your, I guess it would be your great-grandmother. He referred to her as Mother Oliver. (laughs) Yes, I know. I I just remember being a kid growing up, hearing about 
about the Hembrys. And I thought that we were way closer in terms of on a family tree than maybe we actually were on the family tree. But there was just, I think that's where biology and and sort of where you, where you land on paper is one thing, but then where you land emotionally and, and spiritually and just sort of that connection can go so much farther where you might be fifth cousins and three times removed or however it is, but you you feel like you're sisters. So I'm so grateful to get to kind of reach out, I guess, technically to extended family, although you don't feel extended to me and get to invite you into this story night family, this podcast family. For anybody who's been listening for a long time, you've heard a couple other cousins of mine on episodes seven and 10. Um, you've heard my mom on here as well. So we we definitely bring the family in when we can. Joyce, I would love to invite you to tell us your life story, uh, starting back in those early years, uh, that childhood. You know, when you asked me to tell my story, I thought, well, why, why tell my story? And I had several things that came to mind. One reason is because I believe that God uses our individual stories to give us opportunities to tell other people who need to hear about our past so that it doesn't become their future. And another reason is because there are no doubt many women who are in the place right now that I was at one time in my life, and they desperately need encouragement. And I don't want to waste what God taught me and what he gave me during that time. So that's another reason why I wanted to tell my story. And I know we can learn from our own mistakes as well as the mistakes of others. And I love the verse that you chose for the podcast. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. That just fits perfect. (laughs) You asked me about a common thread. I struggle thinking about what was sort of the common thread of my story. And I was talking to my husband and he said, well, that's, that's easy. He said, since I've known you, you've had a desire to please the Lord. And I thought, well, that's true. But I failed him so many times, Jessica. But I just kept wanting to get back up and come back to him and, and please, you know, try to please him again. And I know the Lord loves me. And so where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to have find that kind of love other than the Lord? So he is the very essence of love. And I do want to please him. And it's a delight and a pleasure and a privilege to serve the Lord in any way. I love that you can refer to it with such adoration and such love. Like it really is this precious family relationship between you and God. Whereas I think very often women maybe find themselves not sensing that where God is this kind of angry dictator to them, or maybe that's how they were taught and to hear you say it's a delight it's a joy to serve and and i know not everybody listening is at that place but i am so grateful that you're willing to explain your story share it because most of us if we do have that really sweet sweet relationship with god often It's not that we have had that every single day of our life. Most of us have some kind of up and down twist and turn in our journey. And just like you said, our stories have so much potential to impact the stories of others. Yes. Yes. Well, if I I were to give my testimony a title, it would be probably learning to wait on the Lord. And before I 
I get into my story, I wanted, wanted to read a passage, if I might, from Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. That's a perfect verse and, and so beautiful. I know, I really know that every woman listening has had a season of waiting. However that looks in her individual life, every woman listening has had a season of waiting. Listeners, this is such a special treat because not only do we get to hear Joyce sing, but this is a song that she wrote. So this would be one that you've never heard before, but I know you're going to love it. And not only that, but we have a special treat that her sister, Janet, is going to be singing with her. Thank you, Jessica. Yes, the name of the song is called Day of Rejoicing. And this is one of the songs that the Lord gave me when I was in a deep valley in my life. And I know that one day he's going to make everything right. Grace that he 
Janet. I have heard you sing before and I am always amazed and it is such a treat to hear you again and to hear you together. So thank you so much. And I know I've said this before, but man, do I wish I had inherited the family singing gene that did not make it to me, but <laughs> seemed to make it to all my other family members. And, and it's just, oh, it's, it's incredible. So thank you both. Joyce, now we're going to rewind and sort of start at the beginning of your story so that listeners will just have a better sense of the chapters that that God wrote in your life and what he took you through that really led to you being able to write the, the lyrics you just sang to us. To go back to my early years, well, the Lord has just blessed me with a wonderful Christian heritage, and I'm so grateful for that. I was born in 1958 to uh, Leonard and Margaret Embry of Nashville, and I do have one sister, Janet. When I came along, my parents were members of a large church in West Nashville, and they were faithful there, so we were typically at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was a deacon, and he taught the junior boys class for a while and drove a church bus, and I, I would enjoy riding on dad's bus route with him. Mother usually worked in vacation Bible school in the summers and in various other ways. And our church afforded many wonderful activities for the children and youth. And so Janet and I were blessed to have the opportunities that we had. And it was on a youth outing one summer in 1969 that I came under conviction of, of my sin. And I had trusted the Lord to be my Savior at age 11. I had thought when I was about seven that I had gotten saved, but 
as I began to get older, I began to doubt that experience that I had. And so I wanted to just uh, be done with it and get the thing settled, you know, once and for all. So I did receive the Lord as my Savior that day in 1969. You know, I really enjoyed just being a part of our church family. And one of the verses that I think of is in Psalms. It says, uh, David said, I have loved the habitation of thine house. And I think about my background in church. You know, it's there that I trusted the Lord as Savior. It was there that I was taught and just my faith grew there. And I thought maybe as a a young teenage girl, I had this desire that one day when I got older that I wanted to maybe be a pastor's wife or a missionary's wife. So that was always in my mind with me as I was growing up. When I was about 15 years old, my parents decided they wanted to get out of the big city and they wanted to move to a more rural area. So they bought some land in a town called Dixon, which was about 30 miles west of Nashville. And we moved out there. I was getting ready to go into my junior year of high school and we just really enjoyed country living. It was just a breath of fresh air and I liked being outside. But anyway, I confess that I was not a good student in school. I was just your average student. I I did not apply myself in school like I should have. Music was actually one of my very favorite things to do. And I learned to play a little bit of piano by ear and I would spend sometimes hours just playing on the old upright piano that mom had, mom and dad had at home. And I enjoyed singing in the youth choir and then in the choir at school and then with a couple of other little Christian groups as a teenager. And I liked sports. I liked boys and I allowed myself to get sidetracked when I should have been taking more advantage of school and things like that. I did graduate the summer of 1976 and that summer I had an opportunity to work at a Christian camp over in North Carolina It was called Ridgecrest, and that was one of the highlight summers of my younger days. I had a wonderful time working at Ridgecrest, and that was just a a great experience that I'm thankful that I had. I want to back up just a little bit. During the Christmas break of my junior year in high school, I went on a, a youth trip with our church to Daytona Beach in Florida, and we were going to go down there and do some witnessing on the beach. Well, there was another church youth group that had been invited to come along with our group, and they were from the East Tennessee area. And from that church, there was a young man there who felt that God was calling him to preach. And he began to show interest in me. And after the trip, he began to call me about once a week, and he'd write me. And we lived about three hours, maybe a little more apart. And he was about a year and a half younger than I was. So I wasn't, my feelings toward him were not as strong, let's just say, at that time as his were to me. And he had a very persistent nature about him. And after about, well, just a few years went by, he told me that he felt like that it was God's will for us to be married. And I wasn't quite so sure But I didn't dismiss that he couldn't be the one because of his desire to go into the ministry. And I thought, well, Lord, maybe he's the one. He might be the one. So anyway, we continued to talk and to write, and he would come see me some. After high school graduation in the summer at Ridgecrest, 
I followed in my big sister's footsteps and I went to Belmont College. Belmont was just a small uh, private college at that time. And so this young man and I continued to um, to talk through the letters and the phone calls. And anyway, to make a long story short, we did wind up getting married in the summer of 1977. So I had dropped out of college after only one year to get married to a young man who had just graduated from high school. And I'll have to say that it wasn't the smartest decision that I had ever made. I was 19, but I was nowhere close to being prepared for marriage. You know, some may be at that age, but I I was not. And, you know, if I had stayed in, in school, my parents would have paid for my education. And I will say here that I did not wait on the Lord. I got in a hurry and I should have been preparing myself for the future. I want to get in now to the, the early marriage years. Um, we had a little plan going and the plan was that he would he would start college and then I would work. And then after he got out, then I would stay home. That was a kind of our plan. And so for the first few years, I worked while my, my husband went to a college in East Tennessee called Carson Newman. At the age of 21, my husband was called to pastor a small church nearby as a bivocational pastor while he was a student. And by the time he had graduated from college, God had graciously given us two little boys. And then we left Tennessee and moved out to Texas, where my husband attended a seminary called Southwestern Seminary. It was in Fort Worth. We moved to a little town about 50 miles south of there. My husband was pastoring a little church out there during his seminary days. And so about 1983, we uh, came back to Tennessee, and my husband began to pastor a a church in a small town on just east of Knoxville. And while we were at this church, uh, we were able to build a beautiful new auditorium while we were there. And it was during our years there that God blessed us with two more little boys <laughs> to add to our group. And I'll have to say that my sons, they're, they're all grown now. And they have been four of the biggest joys and blessings of my life and four of the biggest challenges <laughs> of my life. God has used those boys that are now men in 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 many ways to uh to teach me much to teach me much about prayer much about trust in god and much about waiting on god so my husband would go on then to pastor two more churches in the east tennessee area over the next 25 years and we saw many people come to know the lord during those years and many people grow in their faith and i have some wonderful memories of those years but for the sake of time I'm just going to skip over a lot of that time and and just kind of get to the point of my testimony now. Our marriage, like many marriages, had its ups and downs. But after about 20 years or so, a storm began brewing in our marriage, and I had seen it coming for a long time. And I had been praying and continued to pray and at times begging God to turn things around in our marriage. But long about, I guess, around 2005, things began to pretty much fall apart. We went through the motions for a while. But in the fall of 2006, my husband told me that he felt like he was suffering from burnout and that he felt like he needed to just get away. So he had also picked up a teaching degree when he was in 
college. And so he found a, a job several hours away and he was teaching at a, a school. He said that he would come home on the weekends and he did this for a few months. He was pastoring a church at that time, but he did resign the church before the end of the year. And after that, he continued to stay in this area where he where he had moved. He had an apartment there. And needless to say, I I was just devastated. He had not asked me to come down there with him. So I'm I'm sitting in this uh, this place alone by myself by myself at this. You know, my biggest concern was my son's. Our youngest son had just graduated from high school that year, and the boys were all going in different directions. Our oldest son had married in 2001, and they were having some marriage difficulties. Our second son had joined the Navy, and our two younger boys were in their early days of college. Well, my our youngest son had just begun college that fall, and I knew that they were all just they were hurting. They were hurting deeply. They had not seen the storm coming that I had seen coming for years. And I guess for them, it was more like pulling the rug out from under your feet. You know, we were all dealing with it in different ways. I was not only dealing with a broken heart, but I was dealing with some major depression. I had a doctor tell me that I had severe depression because I had not prepared myself, you know, educationally before uh, we were married. You know, I. I had no real means to to go. I had no certificate in anything, no education in anything other than being a wife and a mother for 25 years. But um, so there was little income and we had a lovely home at that time. And I had to give that up. I, I felt like that I had just lost my identity of who who I was because everything that I knew was changing. It was a storm that felt more like a tornado that had turned my whole life upside down. But yet I knew that God was still in control. And there is a verse in the Bible that says, the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And I was learning that God's way is the best way, even when it shakes my life completely up. My pastor now says that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And I knew that God had a plan. I just had no idea what it was. And he wasn't obligated to tell me what his plan was. But my part was to simply trust him and to obey him. There's a verse in Micah that says, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Well, I just love what your pastor said, that things happen for us and not to us. And to your point of being in a storm, you saw the storm coming, but and some women do. They absolutely see the storm coming. Others don't see it at all, and, and the rug's pulled out from under them. And whatever causes the storm, whether it's your own decisions or whether it's somebody else's decisions or actions against you, or honestly, whether you have no idea and you cannot for the life of you figure out what caused this tornado and, and why is this happening. Let us know now what happened. How long were you in that tornado? How did it come to an end? Where was that in between? Was there that period where the, maybe the tornado has passed, but there's still the devastation left over? And how long does it take to rebuild that in your life? You know, even in our darkest, darkest times and most desperate times, the best place I can encourage ladies to run 
and to hide is in the arms of our wonderful, loving Savior. And never, when you get in a storm like that, and you get the rug pulled out from under you, you never run away. Always run to him because it's not his fault when we sin or when someone else sins. And like you were saying that you love what my pastor said, you know, God is working all things out together for our good to them that love God. And I knew he was using this. And I knew that he would never leave me and never forsake me because that's what he promised. And he did. He took care of me every step of the way. He met every need. A verse that it just really meant a lot to me was this one. It says, for thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. There was just so many scriptures that encouraged me, and that was one of them. I knew that God loved me and that I loved him, and yet he had allowed this to happen. And so God's word became to, to be more precious to me all the time. And I, and I leaned hard on the Lord, on, on his word. And, you know, I found out that we don't grow in times of smooth sailing in our lives or in times of indulgence, but it's in the storms that we find the growth. And I knew that one of the problems that I had had in my life was learning to wait on the Lord. I would jump the gun or get ahead of God at this or that or the other. So I thought, okay, Lord, here I am, and I'm going to learn to wait on you. You know, by your grace, Lord, I'm going to learn to wait. So I determined that I was going to seek life's counsel, and my husband and I continued to be separated, and I continued to pray and to give God time to do his work. The first year that we were separated, I was counseled early on an evangelist friend that I had called he and his wife that we had known down through the years and I said what what do I do where do where do I go to church and he said you just stay put you're right where you're supposed to be and I thought okay this is going to be awkward so I, I did I stayed where I was I loved the people at the church uh, where my husband had been pastoring and and I knew they were hurting too and we encouraged each other so I stayed for about a year, and then they called another pastor. And I felt like at that time, God was telling me it was time to move on. So I began to visit some other churches in the area, and I sensed that the Lord was leading me to a church in Oliver Springs, and I, I joined there in 2008. And during that year, I probably cried through more church services than not. I, I was a mess. But, you know, God's word and the teaching and preaching ministry there was just the healing salve that my heart needed. Um, I got involved in a ladies class and they encouraged me and prayed for me. And all in all, I waited about about three years for reconciliation. But God chose not to answer my prayer in the way that I had hoped. But God chose to do a new thing, as it says in Isaiah, he will do a new thing. 
Another verse that encouraged me greatly was Psalm 147.3 that says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And one of the things I had trouble doing was focusing on things. It was just so hard for me to focus on what I was supposed to be doing at the time. And I've skipped a lot of things. Um, God um, helped me find a new place to live because we had to sell our home and uh, helped me find a job and uh, come to find out that the job that I had um, after I, I, I went to the interview, I found out that the man was a member of the church that I had joined. <laughs> God began to saturate my mind with scripture the more that I would try to read because one of the problems that I had was I wanted to hit the rewind button, <laughs> so to speak. And my mind would just kind of go over and over and over the hurts. And this was not good. I didn't need to dwell there. I knew I needed to be renewing my mind with scripture. So, so one of the things that I began to do during the time that I was waiting to see if we were going to be able to reconcile or not, I, I was placed in a hardware store as a lead generator for a, uh, a company that put in heating and cooling units. And so I was doing that part of the time. And then part of the time I was I would be cleaning in the house one day and working in the hardware store another day. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I've mentioned how important music has been to me. I just began, it was like little tunes would just come to me throughout the day. And so I began to put some of these tunes together and write some choruses and even God began to give me some songs as he began to heal my heart. You know, there's a Bible verse that says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I sure did need God's merry heart medicine. So I began to, to sing throughout the day. Especially little tunes would come to me after I had read my Bible in the mornings or after, after I had been to church. A lot of times something that the preacher or my Sunday school teacher would say would just spur the thought, the thought for a song or an idea. I knew I had gotten ahead of the Lord in my younger days, and I knew that this waiting time was one way of God taking me through his remedial classes, let's say, for slow learners. <laughs> a class would be called Wait on the Lord, and I don't know, perhaps there's a lot of ladies out there right now that are enrolled in that class, so to speak, of waiting on the Lord. And there's a verse that I want to give you, ladies. It's in Isaiah chapter 30. It says, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. Blessed are all they that wait for him. So as I'm waiting on the Lord, of course, my sons are a huge part of what's going on in my heart through these years. And each of them had made their personal profession of faith when they were younger, but they each had some major struggles during those years after after our separation. But God has brought them all through it, and today they are all married, and we have eight grandchildren so far, and we have two on the way. Our second son went to the Navy, and God graciously brought him through that. He was in a very difficult plan or course of the Navy while he was in there, and so he does struggle now some with uh, some traumatic brain injury and some PTSD, but God has just been so gracious. And I'm watching God work in all the lives of my sons, and I'm seeing spiritual growth in their lives. And I have to say that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
So I'm, I'm continuing to trust God to work in their lives and in my grandchildren's lives because I want all of their lives to honor the Lord and for them to have a desire to please God too. One of the things I did during that waiting, those waiting years, was to take a class on temperaments. And I had a friend of mine that had taken this course and she said, well, it really helped me. I think that it would be good for you. So I'm glad that I did because I learned a lot about the different temperaments and I learned about the temperament that God had given me. (laughs) I learned about the temperaments of my sons and other family members. And one of the things about my temperament is that I have always struggled with decisions and I didn't realize that that was part of the way that God had wired me. (laughs) I mean, big decisions, little decisions, any decision sometimes it's just very difficult for me to make but I learned how to work through that and I learned that I really need to rely on the Lord and wise counsel and speaking of wise counsel you know I really didn't feel like I could afford a counselor so that was that was a concern for me because you know I didn't feel like that I had anybody that I could talk to really so another friend of mine put me in contact with a Christian counselor and it was a lady who was about 20 years older than me, and she lived in the Memphis area, and she did not charge for her counseling. She felt like that God had given her a ministry to to counsel women, so we began phone counseling, and so I would call her very often, and she uh, she didn't know me, and she didn't know my husband, and so that was even better, you know, that we could just kind of start fresh, and I could just tell her my story, and she could give me counsel and she loved the Lord and she knew her Bible and she was a straight shooter. She told me that not many women would call her back after the first call. She said that they didn't want to hear the truth. (laughs) They wanted her to tell them what they wanted to hear. But, you know, I love the fact that she told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear, because I knew I wasn't going to grow as a Christian. And I wanted to get, I'm like, okay, God, I'm tired of this getting ahead of you. I want to get what you've got for me. So I listened a lot and made a lot of notes when we were on the phone. And so one of the things she said to me early on was, you need to ask God to show you, you. So I did. and. I began to ask God to show me my heart, to show me me, and it wasn't a pretty picture. And as the Lord would begin to show me things that I needed to confess, I began to confess and to ask God to forgive me and to get that cleansing. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, you know, we need that that cleansing part that just frees us from guilt and just so many things that the cleansing is a wonderful thing as well as the forgiveness. And so as I began to confess and God began to cleanse, (laughs) he just kept adding more songs of praise to my heart. So I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead. But uh, last year, praise the Lord, I was able to get a collection of some of these songs and put them all together and God provided a way to record them. So I'll tell you more about that later, but 
Anyway, after after about three years, one of my sons said to me, Mom, Dad's not going to come back. You need to move on. And I think I knew that in my heart, but I was just kind of dreading, dreading that spot. But anyway, there was a point where we did divorce and then I had waited about three years all total for things to work out and it didn't. So in 2009, I began to think toward the future. At that time, I did have a desire to remarry if it was God's will. And so here again, I determined that it would be the Lord's doing and it wouldn't be mine this time and and that I would wait on the Lord's timing and seek his counsel. So in the late summer of 2009, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Mike Weaver, and he was from Clinton, Tennessee. He was a friend of a mutual friend, and he too had had a long-term marriage of about 30 years, and he said he thought he would never remarry again. He had a grown son and daughter, and so he invited me to dinner and we began to talk. Mike owned a bread route at that time. I recall the story of how Ruth and Boaz and their love story and how sometimes Boaz would load Ruth down with with an arm load of barley. And so whenever I would see Mike, sometimes he would come by the hardware store when I was working and he would leave me some bread, put it in my car. And so I had plenty of bread and I love to eat bread. So he would bring me bagels and English muffins and donuts and cookies and bread. And so I was like, wow, <laughs> oh, I had lots of bread. But I noticed um, the, the sign on the side of his bread truck and it had a huge chocolate chip cookie on the side of the truck. And the sign said, simply irresistible. <laughs> and I knew I was in trouble when I saw that sign. Well, Anyway, you know how Naomi told Ruth, she said, sit still, my daughter. And so I did. So I sat still and I continued to talk to my mentor friend. And so I told her about him and uh, and she said, bring him, bring him to Memphis. I want to meet him. So, so at some point he agreed to go and we did, we did meet her. She, uh, she did give her approval of him. One of the things that, one of the verses that she told me, that I needed to do was park. She'd say, you need to park on this verse for a while, park here. And it was Psalm 131. It says, surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. So learning to wait on the Lord and to quiet myself was some of the lessons that God gave me. So uh, Mike and I continued to talk and he treated me with great respect and kindness and he reminded me of my own dad in many ways. And it was, I waited about a year and then I believed God was giving me the green light to go ahead. And I had gotten my Christian counselor's green light. And so I went to my pastor and he gave me the green light <laughs> because Mike had been come, started coming to our church and been coming pretty faithful to our church. And so I waited about a year. And Mike did propose and I accepted his proposal, but not until about a week after he asked me, because, of course, I was still trying to make the decision, you know, me trying to decide. But I did feel like that God was telling me this was this is the one we were married in August of 
2010. It's been a sweet 11 years. I refer I refer to him as my Boaz. I feel like God put us together and we have such a peaceful and a loving home and it's just it's just been a blessing and it's been restful. I think of us kind of like salt and pepper because we're totally different. <laughs> we're nothing alike, but yet we surely do like what the other brings in, so to speak. <laughs> That's my story. And I want to encourage the ladies before I finish. If you're in this kind of storm, God has a wonderful rebound plan for your life. And he wants to teach you so many things. If you'll just go to him and be open handed with it, open your hands and receive what God sends and allow him to teach you and remold you because God is constantly molding us and making us into his image and forming us into something for his glory. And he wants to see his image in each of us. So that's what I want to encourage you with that. There was a happy ending to my story. And yes, it was horribly painful, but you know, God has just totally, completely healed my heart. And I'm just so thankful for what God did and that He didn't give up on me and that He gently and lovingly guided me through these years. And He continues to guide me. And I'm excited about what God's doing now. And and as far as the music goes, I hope that it's a blessing to you all. I don't really know what to do with it. I'm just giving it to the Lord. Say, okay, God, whatever you want to do with it. And there is a CD that's available. Uh, and I'll give Jessica the information for that. And and I'm working on a couple more right now, a children's one for some of my grandchildren that I want to. Uh, some of them are singing on some of them. So I'm just thankful for what God is doing. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful Savior. What more can I say? <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Well, Joyce, thank you for opening your story and and just reliving it. I know that for women who share, you know, to go back through your life story, that means going back through beautiful memories, but it also means going back through some grief, some trauma, maybe just some storms, as you mentioned. And Mm -hmm. listeners, I hope that you have found some encouragement in this story, just some of those just some of those points of how often we get ahead of God and how patient he is with us to teach us over and over and over again on how to wait and, and wait on him. Yeah. Joyce, you've blessed us so much too with your music. And ladies, I will have information in the episode notes on how you can hear more from Joyce and maybe access her music if you if you'd like to hear additional songs or be able to play the songs that that she shared with us today in in the future. You know, have them have them on your list, your your listen to list. So speaking of your music, Joyce, we get the honor of hearing one more song from you. So, but before we dive into that, will you tell us the the title and the message of this final song? Sure. In 2019, my mother uh, was living with us for just a few days before the Lord called her home. While she was here, I had been getting some lyrics to a song. I had been outside planting some flowers one morning and I had been out there. It was getting too hot. And so I thought, boy, I wish I'd gotten out here earlier, but I didn't. 
And so I thought, well, if I can just move this whole little operation over just a little bit, I'll have the shade of this one tree here. And I did. And as soon as I moved over, it was like, oh, just one tree changed everything. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, it sure did. (laughs) And of course, immediately I thought about Calvary's tree, how just one tree changed everything for me. And I thought, well, just one man changed everything for me, Jesus Christ. And he just took that one look, you know, and he saved me. Look and live, you know, the Bible says. And then and then I thought about just one book, uh, the Bible, you know, it's just changed my life. And so mother was in a wheelchair. And so one night I wheeled her down the hall to the, where the piano is. It's the same piano that, that we had had our home when we were growing up. And and I said, Mama, I want you to listen to this. I've been working on a song. Why don't you tell me what you think? And I went through it. And she could barely speak above a whisper. And I looked at her and she said, again, play it again. So I went back through it again. And this time when I was playing it, I realized that that was my mother's testimony as well as my testimony. So the title of this song is called Just One. Just one tree changed everything for me. Where my Lord was crucified, there my sin debt he satisfied. Just one tree changed everything you see. Just one died for me Just one man changed everything for me Jesus Christ, God's only Son Sent from heaven the Holy One Just one
Joyce, it has really been such a treasure to have your songs on this podcast. Thank you so much for for sharing them with us. And thank you for sharing your story with us. I hope, ladies, that just one will make the difference in your life and that you have just taken some encouragement from both Joyce's story and her music. In closing, I would love, Joyce, to ask you to pray for the listeners, especially women who are waiting. Mm, Yes, I would be honored to do that. Oh, our gracious Father, Lord, you're so good to us, so merciful and so kind. And Lord, right now, I just bring to you the ladies that are hurting, that are suffering, that are in valleys valleys of great difficulty, maybe tornadoes, Lord, whatever's going on in situations where the rug has been pulled out in front of Lord, maybe dealing in situations where their spouse has an addiction or maybe there's adultery or Lord, on and on the list can go. So God, I pray that you come to them right now, Father. And I pray God, first of all, that they would know that they know that they know that they belong to you, God that they would come to you for salvation. And then secondly, Father, that they would come to you and cast all of his care upon you because, God, you care for us. And, Lord, I just pray that you would meet the needs that they have as they come to you, Lord. You said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I pray, God, that they would believe your word and act upon it. And then wait and see what you're going to do, Father. Teach them to wait on you because, God, you are so good to those that wait. And, Lord, I just praise your holy name and thank you for what you're going to do in each life. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Joyce. It's it's really fun when you get to have, you know, your family be a part of your ministry and 
you know, you always learn something new. I did not realize that we were married in the same year, in 2010. <laughs> I amazing. Yeah. Fun, fun little facts. So again, thank you for doing this. And and ladies, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We uh, hope as always that you were blessed and impacted and encouraged and that you that you found hope in this story and that you join us next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.